Are you looking to get your love life together? You're tired of not having the tools or community you need to navigate these dating and relationship streets. Well, honey, let's take some accountability, do our work and be in the place to reap all the benefits. I invite you to become a Love Lady member and officially join the Match Mary Mate community. You can choose your specific dating and relationship package to work with me. You'll have access to digital resources, video trainings, coaching content, course materials, and even the opportunity to live stream with me with certain packages. If this sounds like something you want, be sure to join today because I'd love to have you. Visit coachjoyce.com to get started. I want to see your face in the play. Greetings. You're listening to the Match Mary Mate Show, where Black women learn how to get their love lives together. Here I guide you on your dating and relationship journey, empower you with feminine presence, power, and charm, teach you how to navigate and negotiate your needs and desires with men. I'm your host, your girl, Joyce Robinson Myers, and welcome to another episode, Love Bugs. We're continuing our Know Thyself series with an emphasis on our sacral root and our I feel affirmations. Where do you start first with knowing yourself but to turn to your mama? So today we're getting all up in you and your mama's business. Today's show is titled Your Mother and Her Daughter. Yes, I'm talking about you. I invited one of my clients' mothers, Miss Tracy, to talk with us about her own role as a mother and how she mothered her daughter and all kinds of lessons and gems along the way. But first, let's start with the power of affirmation. We start every episode with an affirmation as a way to center self, listen to the body, and honor our spirit. Ask yourself, how are you today? What moods, feelings, or emotions come up? Use that energy to speak life, wholeness, and healing over yourself using the power of your own voice. Speak it into existence with an I or I feel. I feel my healing taking root. I feel my family pain and own my joy. I feel my mama's love. Miss Tracy is the kind of woman who you visit at her house, have some snacks and drinks, and just let her talk doesn't really matter what she talks about because at some point you're going to hear stories about family and community, black history teachings, ancestral spiritual lessons, some pageantry tips and tricks, and whatever tea she feels like dishing about what it means to be black in America and all its racism. I adore chatting with her and I hope you enjoy listening to our latest talk. Before this combo, the last chat I had with her was a four-way FaceTime call between her, her daughter Chanel, myself, and another woman in Chanel's sister circle. 
you're going to hear us talk about a conversation to support her daughter, my client. We leave out the particulars, but in order for you to track, there are some details you need now. Chanel was carrying a lot of weight and stress from her dealing with a certain guy, and she needed support. The real answer was to break ties with this man, but as you all know, that's easier said than done, especially when you're too embarrassed to reach out to your own community. But that's probably the moment when you should, right ladies? And she's detailing some events that she conveniently left out in the thick and throes of this relationship. And my spidey senses started to go off and I wasn't the only one. The other woman on the call, her spidey senses were going off too. And so Chanel has me and this other woman who she knows she can lean on in these moments. So she made a three-way call between us. Now, when I say she conveniently left it out, that's not a statement of judgment, but a statement of fact. I only bring it up because too many women and in my case, black women, leave out details in their interactions with men on purpose because they know their support systems will have something to say about it and they're dodging the accountability. This is always a bad sign if you feel like you have to maneuver like this. I think you all like to call them red flags. And even though I'm not a real fan of the term, I have no problem using it here. So as our spidey senses are alarming, I interject to say, Chanel, we need to call your mother. I heard too many things that signaled to me that while me and the other woman could support her, she needed a level of wisdom, her own mother's truth, a level of insight, her own mother's stories, and just that level of bio connection that two community members just did not have to give to her. So thank the most high, her mother is alive and was available for such a call. In that call, I admired how much Miss Tracy listened to us, all three of us, asked questions. She was curious. Her questions expressed care and not to pry or to judge. She gave us stories and details and then ended with the plan of action for her daughter. You'll hear me interject behind her to highlight five lessons that I think are worthy of calling to attention. In months ahead, Chanel and the other lady in the call raised having a public convo with Miss Tracy about mothers and daughters. And here we are. It is my hope that today's conversation provides some level of healing for you as a woman and as a daughter, but offers you some relationship education because that's not a term that exclusively belongs to romantic relationships. And that that relationship education helps you to view black women black mothers differently or more compassionately because why y'all black love matters and not just romantic love and we are in such need of the restoration of black family power and why not start with your mama hello everybody i have miss tracy stafford in the building Miss Tracy, as I like to call her, is the founder and CEO of Stafford Consulting Group, LLC. It's a California-based consulting firm specializing in organizational culture and system change, emphasizing diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. A social sustainability scientist by trade, 
She draws from lived experiences with poverty, abuse, and discrimination, coupled with a graduate degree in sustainability leadership to develop inclusive cultures that thrive long-term. Personally, she's been married for 27 years to her best friend, Mr. Brian Stafford, and together they have raised four children and one of her children is also one of my clients, and that's exactly why she's here today. Welcome, Ms. Tracy. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. I wanna get started and kick off with a mother-daughter relationships and patterns. This season is all about know yourself and the different ways that we can know ourselves and obviously our parents are those foundational figures and so i wanted to have you on to speak to the mother-daughter relationship i'm an educator by trade as you know and we have this rule of thumb that says you cannot plan and teach at the same time and so once you've been an educator for a while you come to learn you can't plan, teach, or assess at the same time, right? There's no way of having hindsight while you are in real time. So one of the things that I really appreciate about you, speaking to you about your daughter and in support of your daughter, and even you just pouring into my life as a, an older woman giving me insight, are the reflections that you have, the blessings of hindsight knowledge, and as a millennial, I feel like we beat up on our parents maybe a little too much. And I'm not down with that, but I love how you position yourself with what it meant to raise a millennial. And I love how you look back and go, you know what, maybe I should have done that better. Or no, I actually know what I'm talking about right here. Y'all need to listen to me. <laughs> so can you share some things you do differently or better with your hindsight knowledge about how you mother your children, especially your daughters? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, the first thing it's, it's, it's challenging because all children are different mm -hmm. and they come in wired differently. Mm -hmm. And even though when I was birthing these four kids, you know, I, I saw instinctively, I mean, immediately one of the most profound, I believe epiphanies that I've had has been understanding that nature mm. that they came in with. And so I think one of the most important things is understanding or really paying attention to who they are when they're born before the world has the opportunity to mold them into something else, because then you can always go back and guide them back to that nature. Oh, I like that. Have you ever had to do that before? Yes. Talk to me about, <laughs> yes. Talk to me about it. It didn't go well. It didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> We're all learning and growing. Give go me well. an example. Uh, Talk to me about it, especially with one of your daughters. Sure. Yes, definitely. Um, and it's, let's see, because mommies and daughters, we have different, different relationships, just like, you know, fathers and daughters do. Yes. And, and I really believe that that's physiological. Um, there's this draw with the opposite gender. And there's this um, need to protect all your children. But with girls, it I have my two girls first, so I can very clearly, I notice the difference at their birth. So the first, my first two daughters, you love them. They have this scent that was just like, oh, this baby smell and you just want to take care of them. But when, so you, and you would do anything for them, you know, but when my boys were born, I would kill for them. Mm -hmm. It was visceral. It was, and I was like, what's happening? I was confused. 
I was like, wait a minute, I love my doctors, but there was something different. And, you know, which got me into basically social sustainability, physiological stuff, because I'm like, there is more to this. And I was raised, you treat all your kids the same, equal, right? Rather than equity. Right. And that equity piece, understanding who they are and why they are and what makes them drive and all of that was not something we were taught. You know, we, we were raised by boomers. You know, they had to put that announcement out at 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? You know, because it, it was like we, we raised ourselves, the first latchkey kids, you know. And by the time I realized that, oh, my gosh, I need to be looking at what it is that drives them. And there was 10 years between my eldest daughter and my second daughter. So I had my eldest when I was 21. I was 31 by the time I had the next one. I learned more about me. I focused more on what makes them tick. Why am I having this child? What is the, you know, it was very different. And I was also in an abusive relationship with my first marriage, um, with my eldest child. I'm fighting for survival. I'm 21 years old, um, orphaned, you know, raised in poverty, you know, all of these things. Um, but I was told that I was an old maid if I didn't get, have a child. You know, when I was 19, my grandma was like, you're an old maid. Because again, I was orphaned. And so um, I was raised by somebody born 1921. She wasn't the, you know, hippest woman in the world. By the time that I realized the importance of it, you know, Chanel, my eldest, was already like pretty much grown. And then I was trying to sort of give her context you know, in terms of, well, when you were born, blah, blah, blah. And it was perceived like I was trying, like I knew more, more about her than she knew about herself. And that wasn't the intention. I was just like, well, this is how you came in. See, the others, I've been saying that, you know, all along the way so that they never lost their, their nature piece you know, throwing it kind of in there. Well, this is my age of maybe like 10 with my eldest daughter. You know, then I was realizing how important that was so it didn't go well um and so I kind of withdrew you know because you get to a certain place and you're you're you know you're feeling guilty because you know you were a child yourself trying to figure yourself out and um, so I always told my kids don't even think about getting married until you're like 28 don't even think about it and don't give birth you know until you're you know your early 30s you know because you're just beginning to understand what makes you tick. How are you going to build a healthy human? Let's pause, love bugs, to be present with your children, to discern their nature, and be able to feed to them who they are during formative years. Wow, I think that's important to capture. And at 21, Miss Tracy didn't have the level of insight for her oldest, but 10 years later, 10 years of mothering and the experiences and lessons that come with that. And then also just being 31 years old, as opposed to 21, she could apply hindsight knowledge to know how important it is to be present in that way. And I think that is so valuable. And I give her all the kudos for that. And so if you are a girl mommy listening, I want you to take that in. How are you going to build a healthy human? I also think your oldest child, who's also the child who's my client, is the oldest born. And older children tend to be the guinea pig baby, even if mama is together and right. But even more so, you know, when you're not. And you are talking about, a ten, I mean, 21 to 31. 
at 21, you don't even know what womanhood is, right? By 31, you've arrived into that identity. So now it can be a transition into motherhood. But having babies, becoming mommies before you even know what it's like to be a full woman, yes, yeah, so much to learn on the job. One mm -hmm. of Chanel's critiques is that she felt like she had to just learn things on her own, like she had to to figure it out, right? And so I'm a millennial. I think I was mothered pretty well. But one of the things that I hear from my generation is that, you know, Gen X and boomers don't really major in taking accountability for how their children tick by way of their, of their rearing. And I love that you do. If you could go back and do it all over again, or just using your own hindsight, what are some lessons that mothers should make sure they teach daughters? Or what are some lessons that you wish you could play the tape back and do, or maybe you are doing it. Maybe you are reteaching those lessons later in life with the newfound knowledge and feedback actually from the children you raised. So, so I was going to say, trust me when I tell you, you know, at 31, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I know I'm a woman. Then, then, then. It evolves and there's so many levels. I mean, even at 57, I am still finding new levels of womanhood. It's a, it's it's a it's an amazing thing. You never start learning as as long as you're paying attention and wanting to grow. Exactly. It's it's an amazing thing. But um, and I will say with uh, my eldest, she's right. I did. Um, it was intentional getting her to figure things out. And you know why? Because we had to. So you do what you know, even though you didn't like it. Hmm. When you look at the fact that well, I was independent. I had my own apartment by the time I was, you know, 19, I basically had to raise, I raised a child, you know, I had jobs, I did all these things that made me self-sustainable. However, um, with her, I did hover, she just didn't know. So I was like, oh, I want a really good example. Um, back in the day, we used to use sea breeze on our skin yes. and, she, <laughs> and she had acne, right? And so I gave her the sea breeze. And my thing was follow the directions because I'm not going to be here. The world is not going to sit down and read directions and give you a, a tutorial on life. I would sit and I would watch. I'd be like, oh Lord, she's not going to read it. She's going to put that on her face. And um, so instead of using it to wipe off, you know, she soaked the cotton ball and she would like put it on. And I didn't realize that until later. And so she would get like, so she got a bit of like a bit of peeling. And I was like, okay, I got to jump in here because <laughs> you know, she's not going to. And then eventually I learned that it is my job to give them instruction from my perspective and, and read the instructions with them. Mm. So that they, so see, we were like, you know, the bottle here threw the ball at us and they ran wherever they were going. So I thought, <laughs> so that was a step better. Let's pause love bugs. I love to hear how self-aware Miss Tracy is of her missteps. Parents are people too and need grace and compassion as well. She thought she was giving her daughter independence by not giving her direct instructions and later learned that a level of presence and instruction was necessary and that it was her responsibility to give that to her daughter. And I love that light bulb moment that she was having and that she course corrected once the epiphany set in on her. That's what each generation hopes to do. Like, I can't give you what I don't have, but I can try to make it better. 
um, like a mother is connected um, energetically to her child. Sure. So, you know, you need, like, you'll be sitting somewhere, you know, something's wrong. Yes. You know, I'll call my baby yes. screaming in the background, like, what's going on? Um, as Black women, because we needed to survive, Black people in general, we have, if we are open enough to it, right? It's, it's, it goes into the empathy and all that stuff. That is another story. But, but we're open to it. Um, then, you know, we have this, I'm going to call it a seventh sense. Just like you can tell when somebody's following you in the store, there's like, a, you may not see them, but you know, there's something you walk into a room energetically, but it's often feel like that energy shift or something happening. We have a very much higher sense of that. Um, and so, I mean, we are just phenomenal creatures. I'm saying. Yes, we are phenomenal creatures. Um, yeah. You call that the seven sense. What's the sixth sense? Um, what is our sixth sense? Because we have all oh, oh, the six senses is like is clairvoyance um, and all that. So and the seventh sense is another level beyond. Just like our hair grows to the sun, to the sky, to the universe. So Come on, Miss Tracy. I'm just saying. So so the seventh is beyond that. We don't we we grow in spiritually into the universe. I'm gonna have to have you on for a whole other podcast. <laughs> I don't know that you didn't say that, but thanks for dropping that spiritual, that black spiritual knowledge. Let's pause, love bugs. Your mother is so valuable to you. And I want you to hear that as a daughter. Your mother is so valuable to you. Now I realize some of us have relationships or maybe even non-existing relationships with the woman who birthed you or reared you or both. And I want to hold space for you here. It could be that the connection Miss Tracy and I are talking about may not be your thing, and I understand. But for all others, your mother is too valuable to sleep on. There's a level of wisdom and insight she would mostly have that could help guide you in who you are and in your decision-making as an adult. You'll have to continue to listen to the rest of this season to learn more. But in a future episode, I unpack this more with one of my own clients. And I think it will be good for you to hear. So I wanted to flag it for you right now on the heels of Miss Tracy speaking to the deep connection and bond between mother and child, namely mother and daughter. Let's get back to mommies and daughters. Um, I speak a lot about mother-daughter relationships in my work. Your daughter in particular is usually head first when I am delivering that content, whether I'm doing an IG live, what have you, she is in the mix. I wanna confront the generational or the maternal patterns that are passed down, particularly the subtle ones, because usually a daughter can see the obvious ones, right? It's kind of like glaring in her face. Um, I care about those patterns that are being passed down from mother to child, obviously, mother to daughter specifically here. So usually when I start to hear a pattern with my clients, I can sense some foundation is missing from what they're telling me. And it's my clue to ask them about their mamas. And <laughs> if they be willing to have a certain kind of conversation with her. In fact, one of my early conversations with you, it was me on the phone with your daughter while I was asking questions about patterns. And come to find out, you blew all of our mind. I'm like, wait. Chanel, you didn't know this about your own mommy? And she's like, girl, no, I'm, I'm finding out on the phone with you. So <laughs> I would love, I mean, I really champion that because I feel like 
I think there is an element of secrecy in the black community that probably has some origin in slavery, um, but nonetheless, it's there where our personal lives as women, we don't share with our children. There's kind of like this degree of separation. And so in, until a daughter kind of arrives in her own womanhood, she won't know the stories. She won't know the patterns necessarily. And of course, I'm dealing with women who are you know, 25, 26 plus kind of coming into adulthood developmentally and coming into womanhood or are just about settling into it, which was where Chanel was when I first met her. And I'm like, listen, whatever you're going through, I'm pretty sure it's not unfounded. If this is difficult for you, if this is hard for you, if you have questions, if it's a mystery to you, if you can get on the phone with your mom and start asking questions as a grown woman and see if she will tell you stories from her own life or stories from other female kin that can help you process your reality, your feelings and all of those things. So How do you ask me pointed questions about how do you feel about this? Or how do you feel about that? Or when you were in that age, that that's not what generally we're asking. And in fairness, again, they're coming from a wounded place, yes. trying to fill their hole, but the hole within them, whatever that is, not understanding that the understanding of the parenting and the wise is the reason that it's that you can't let go of that space, that you can't, you know, and that's what's so hard. So for me, I mean, I'll choke up a little bit here because for me, what I've been doing is just for some reason, just listening and taking it and apologizing for it and, you know, kind of waiting for that break when that um, evolution comes in where there is the questions that are, that are asked that then could give the complete picture. But when I, when I learned from that, when I was talking about that nature thing was that, okay, you ain't ready, or this is not the time, or you're working through, you have to respect where someone else is because it doesn't work. It doesn't work otherwise. So it's not so much, I can't speak for everybody because again, I am really transparent. Always have been, always will be. But so for me, it's not about, not wanting to share, but it's also, I don't even know, I don't know what to share either, right? I'm a motherless daughter, you know, and, and, and my, and I didn't have a mother or a father. My grandmother, um, again, born 1921, she was no nonsense, right? So even if you can't talk to your mother, you talk to your grandma. Now, I couldn't do that because my, my grandma was no nonsense. Yeah, too practical to have a conversation about the 
psychological or emotional realities of mm -hmm. life and of your um, existence. You, you gave me chills a few sentences back and I'm gonna tell you why, because I think you were getting into the heart of the healing. And I do all of this work to kind of soothe gender relations predominantly from black man to black woman, black woman to black man, but also within the black familial structure, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I was so happy to get on the phone um, with Chanel and say, let's get on the phone with your mom and let's just ask the right questions. And if you don't feel like you have the language or you need the support, I'll get on with you. But there, there was something beautiful in what you said, which is it's not that you are willing to or desire to withhold it or not tell it or hoard it to yourself, but that the, the right questions have to be asked so that you know it's okay and mm -hmm. safe to tell the story. But in that space, we Chanel got the healing she was looking for, at least the beginning of it in that conversation, because you just get to feel so seen in her, like, oh my God, it's not just me. My mommy went through this too. And this is the best way. I mean, as soon as we got all of the questions out of the way, all of the feelings and the healing out of the way, we were like, okay, now plan, right? And I think, that is speaking to the duality of life. We have to honor those emotions and those feelings. We have to be ready. We have to ask the right questions. We can't stay in our feelings. You do got to come back on your grandma's side. You got to come back to practical right. life, right? And create the plan. And by the time we got off the phone, we were like, you need to do this with the key. You need to do this with your past. You need to get you an apartment. Like there was a plan for her to follow. I mean, oh my God, within 30 days, she had that thing done, mm -hmm. right? That's like the value of that emotional support. And then also the practical plan. And that gave me chills. I'm like, okay, is this what the daughters of boomers and Gen X need to be doing? Asking the right questions so that our mothers can give us the stories that we need to feel seen and heard and then also help support us with the plan to get the thing done? Yeah, it's true. Except if they're willing, I will sit at the feet of a boomer, especially an oh, older black woman. Oh my goodness. They have such, and, and they're willing to talk about it now. When I was yeah, they out, talk about it in their old age. And that's one of the things that I say to my clients. I'm like, if you can't get your mama to talk about it, call your great auntie, call your grandma, because they will just talk to you because I don't know, maybe it's something in the brain when you are closer to death than you are. Right. It doesn't matter younger. anymore. And things have changed so much. And and actually I have a, a I was going to say this. It's so interesting because like Chanel knows me as her mom. Sure. And I didn't realize the impact of that until I didn't know my father biologically. I just found out, um, I knew, uh, long story, I won't get into that, but, but um, I just found out by, that I uh, had my DNA done and I thought he was my brother's father. I did not know that he was mine. My mother died with those secrets. Like, you know, what I say about that seventh sense, right? Yeah. It's like, you need to go, you need to go. And I was like, I don't owe that man anything. And, but then uh, as a human, you know, things that I do for people and the work that I do and the empathy and the grace that I give people, I can most definitely give it to my biological father. Sure. And, and knowing at the age of 21, you know, the things that I have done, how can I expect, you know, forgiveness and understanding from others if I can't extend it to my sure. father? So I went out to see him in January and I was asking him all the questions. I went because I was saying, he needs to let go and he needs to know that I forgive him. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna forgive this old dude mm -hmm. <laughs> so he can let go this knowing the guilt that I had carried. 
And then I was expecting to get this um, relief from my child, but it wasn't. It's relief I had to give myself, mm -hmm. right? And just say, you did the best that you could. All you can do now is stand in the gap for her until she's ready to receive or ask or whatever you can do for her. So that's what I've tried to do. Um, but with him, I was like, let me go give this man some grace. And that man gave me my mother. Oh, Miss Tracy, what a beautiful sentence. Let's pause, love bugs. There's so much value in sitting with the elders of your family and your parents. As a woman, there's lots to learn and discover from your mother and female kin. I love how Miss Tracy did not allow some of the hard feelings that she had about her father to prevent her from seeing him and gaining what stories and secrets about her mother that only her father could give her at this point in her life. Our parents are such foundational figures that it's a tragedy to not receive them in some way or another or in the best way that you can if you're able. Even as an adult woman with her own husband and family, she still craved for her mother and that's telling. I'm pushing 40 and if I cannot call my mama, I don't even know what to do. He said, well, he told me later, I asked, do you have any regrets? And then I saw him tear up for the first, I had been there three days and every day I was going and I was just talking and talking, getting information, listening and writing. And, and he said, I regret that I wasn't, he said, I wish I had been stronger. And I said, do you mean courageous? So I got to hear the story. One of the patterns yeah. that I'm hearing is abuse. You talked about abuse. your mother being abused, also being an abuser or brutal. And then you mentioned your first marriage, which is the mm -hmm. marriage you had your oldest child in, um, was abusive. Yes. And, and my grandmother was abused. So these are the patterns that I'm talking about. You can be unconscious. So maybe you can kind of know in the back of your mind that mommy went through something or that, you know, granny was a little extra, but there's no way you're telling your children the stories of your abuse, either as a child by the hand of a parent or as a woman by the hand of a man. There's no way you're telling those stories. So they really don't know. So right. when I was on with Chanel and I kept hearing the tolerance that she was giving abuse not necessarily mm -hmm. physical abuse but you know it starts off verbal and emotional and spiritual sometimes first and i kept hearing the pattern of that when she was narrating um this relationship that she was in and it was like she was missing it it was like she wasn't hearing it she was growing more tolerance for it as mm -hmm. it went by instead of intolerance and that always shoots off for me oh my god there's probably a generational pattern here Mm -hmm. And you are subconsciously creating tolerance for something because it's baked into your DNA and you don't even have a clue. Let's get on the phone with your mama and ask questions. And you said, oh, well, this sounds very familiar. Like She knew the stories. Yeah, she knew the story, but not the details. But the plan, mm -hmm. I think, like the plan being so powerful in that, the reason that you were able to be like, Chanel, you need to do this and do that and do this is because you had the experience. Mm -hmm. Like you knew what to do. And I think that is so valuable because sometimes, yes, we are repeating patterns, not knowing it. It's just like stored in our DNA. And so right. the value of talking to your mama isn't only for access of the, the generational stories, though right. that is helpful. But if, if it is indeed a generational pattern, you probably got a whole bunch of women in your family and definitely your mom who can tell you exactly what to do about how to 
get up out of that thing, right? And you went right into action. Let's pause, love bugs. Miss Tracy is speaking to the value of community, your support system, because she's right. Sometimes you just cannot hear certain things from your mama or even hear them with her alone. Another woman in your community or even other women in your community or your sister circle can help aid in the healing and wholeness when those opportunities arise in your life, or as I like to call it, the kind of love that Black women make. I need to take a small break, but I'll be right back with Miss Tracy to finish our chat in a bit. See you soon. You're invited to our second annual Winter Women's Retreat, a slumber party. Did you know that Black women are often the gatekeepers and teachers of culture, memory, and legacy, particularly of the Black family? While on the journey to preparing for a love and life partner, and even more so if you're already partnered or married, I encourage Black women to create a community and cultivate sisterhood with other Black women first. We need each other. Retreat tickets are now available for the first 10 guests at matchmarymate.com. Join us in Asheville, North Carolina for a sacred and spiritual retreat with other Black women who know how to act. Hope to see you in the mountains. You still can't hear it until you're ready to hear it. You know what I mean? And, and, and then also someone else's situation, if there's no physical abuse, you disconnect. But that's not your story. So there's so many things that our minds do to protect us. You can't hear it often from your parent because, and that my own long story, going back to the fact that he allowed me to meet my mother as a woman. Yes. Something that I had not done, didn't know a thing, didn't know I needed to know. And my daughter still meets me as her mother and not a woman. Yes. So there's a competition of information. So if I'm trying to say, well, when you were a baby, I know myself, okay. That's something you don't know that only I can tell you or older people, but you're not ready to hear that because you are seeing me as your mother rather than a woman with all this knowledge that everybody else in the sun is taking advantage of. So there really is this, this when you are ready to hear it, when you're not just ready because sometimes you might be ready but you're not able and then you gotta be ready you gotta be able and then you have to have the level of self-awareness where you can apply that to where you are i mean this is a this is not just oh i told you you should remember so that is is what i understand about it but that's most of the work that i do in the mother daughter space Mm -hmm. with my clients is you got to meet your mama as a woman You got to have those conversations. Your mom is filled with so much rich stuff that you are sleeping on because you have only identified as her child and rightfully so. But now it's time to identify as her daughter. And I say that to my mom. One One of the things that I always praise my mom for is when I was a child, it was clear that I was Marie's child. But when I became a woman, she made the transition to me being Marie's daughter. And it is different. Mm-hmm. It is different. It really is. And again, that's not something I got to do. I know. You know, so I could not teach her that. But, but that's why I, we have a community, right? Like I, 
I, I can't like teach it to her, but I can teach her that it is necessary and she needs to do that work. And she heard it from me. Mm -hmm. So I, cause I thought that when I said, we need to get on the phone with your mama right now, I thought mm -hmm. she was going to say no. And I was going to just let that be that. Uh -huh. and just have it written for the history books that I did suggest it and, uh -huh. yeah. and respect her no and move on. But, you know, she was like, well, if y'all will stay on the phone with me, let's, let's patch her in. So, I mean, she needed the support and she needed someone uh -huh. else to say it other than her mom. Mm -hmm. So I feel you on that. Cause you're like, well, I don't have it to teach it to her. Mm -hmm. I don't think that you have it to teach it to her to have that posture because that wasn't there for you, but you did have it to teach her what she needed to know in that conversation because mm -hmm. you, you know what it's like to, to want to have that, right? And you, you right. gave, you gave from that space. So I know we like to say you can't give what you don't have. And I think there's some truth to it, but I do think you can think about how you would have wanted it to happen yes. and, and, and start from that, that seat. Right. And mm -hmm. I don't have, I don't have any access to how you raised your second daughter, but if you can put them collectively for a second and just speak to how, how do you, or how have you found it to mother daughters as an unmothered daughter? As an unmothered daughter, um, my focus was to raise, you know, productive, um, you know, bright, successful, um, you know, strong, independent, you know, women. And that's what I worried about. I mean, that's really was always in the front of my mind, you know. Um, and so those things like, you didn't hold me enough or you didn't whatever. I was like, shoot, I, I look, I got a sandwich. <laughs> I told me I would love, shut up, I'll complain. Um, so, <laughs> you know, and so, so I get that all the time. Every time my daughters learn a new term, they apply it to me. So I've been a narcissist. I've been, I mean, a lot of things you can say about me, but that ain't one of them. But um, I've been a narcissist. I've been a, whatever new thing. You know, not new, but new to them. Yeah. You know, I become that and they find it. Just like when you're looking, you're, you have an illness or something and you look up all the symptoms and you find all of these potential, you know, diseases you could have. That's what parents go through, you know, as their kids are learning and growing and then everything is our fault. Um, so it's all applied to the mom. So you're going through, they're learning all these new terms that they're applying to us, trying to make sense of who they are, who they are trying to find themselves. And those 20, that my, the, that 25 year old stage is the most critical. I mean, for me, that was, um, people talk about midlife crisis. It was that quarter life crisis. Developmentally, that's appropriate. It's why I, I won't have clients who are not at least 25. I want to get you in that space so we can mold and develop that, that sense of being that you called it a, a quarter life crisis. I like that. It is really true. You, you really do. And knowing that I didn't have it. And by then I had a four-year-old daughter right. and, had, and was leaving an abusive marriage, which is the most dangerous time. And I tried to give them what I thought I didn't have in terms of priority and keeping in mind too, what I myself had access to. You know, I didn't have access to my own emotion. I had to have a certain level of being able to put things away. 
because I had to go and sit down in front of the same person who had just beaten me or raped me or, you know, whatever it was. And the, you, you learn to compartmentalize. And I'm a master of living my body. So I've used it as a skill, but it's not, it's not, a, it's a horrible thing when you are under so much duress that you're, that you break off from your body. Yeah. And that level of trauma, um, you know, on top of everything else I had shared, you know, in those days did not allow me. I mean, as babies, it was safe to love them and hold them and play with them and this, that, and the other. But as they began to get older, you know, it was that click in of, okay, this is what happened, you know, and then my mother died when I was 12. So then there was a disconnect there of what do you do with someone this age? And I haven't experienced that. I don't know what that looks like, but all I could do was be honest and be open and give them everything I had to give and support them no matter whatever happened. They knew that I had, you know, their back. I mean, down at that school or down at whatever. And that's all I knew to give. To have your children's back. You know what? I like that you, I like that you said that because I can definitely give that. I'm the daughter of a boomer. So I can definitely give that to boomers and Gen X they defended you like they went up to the school and showed out one of my favorite childhood stories of being protected and defended by my mom we were at a gas station she asked me to go in and pay you know this is before you could do it at the pump I take mm -hmm. the little ten dollars and I'm like can I get ten on five and then <laughs> was so <laughs> a moment of nostalgia <laughs> Yes, yes, I remember. Oh, yeah. And then, and then you forget the number. You got to run back out. You got to run back and look. <laughs> and so the man was so mean to me. Mm. He was evil. And so I walked out. You know, apparently my mom could sense it on me. She's like, what happened? Who said something to you? And she went in that gas station and read that man his last living breath. Do you hear mm -hmm. me? I was oh, like, yeah. whoa, I never seen my mom show out like that. That was the first I'm like, oh, this woman loved me. She willing to shut down the whole show. So it's right, interesting right. to hear you say, I would go down to that school. I would do this and I would do that. Um, because yeah, defense protection mm -hmm. is kind of viewed as love, especially if you were raised by those two generations. It's a big deal. And I think, you know, the, the different, um, what is it? Like our love languages. Yes. I don't know if they come normally or if it's out of necessity that you develop them, but mine is acts of service. Oh, you don't mess with my children. I don't, now I can't remember if I heard this on the influencer side or on the research side and let me not confuse entertainment with evidence. <laughs> someone said, you know, the love languages are just responses to mm -hmm. what you didn't have in your love story as a child. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, that's that's where everything starts. Things starts with your birth and your childhood and that socialization and conditioning. So if you would have wanted people to do things for you, right, mm -hmm. it turns out that you like acts of service. If you would have wanted people to hug you more, touch you more, it turns out that it's you know, physical touch. So what you're saying completely reasons to me. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And I hadn't heard it that, heard that before, but that makes a lot of sense because I never felt protected or people doing things for me or, or that sort of thing. So it's a very big deal. So um, funny how that became the main way you loved your children. Mm -hmm. I'll stick up for you. Yeah, yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. And I make sure you have, and then the whole thing too, they're like, you didn't do this. I'm like, I didn't have food at times or, you know, I, I couldn't go on trips. I couldn't. So you have the things that I didn't have in terms of acts of service. Right. But they, they can't see that. That's not the comparison in their mind, right? The comparison in their mind is what they got versus what they think they should have got or what they need. Right. And, right. And if I had done more of the other thing, it would have been that other, been the other one. I know it, so it, you can't win for losing anyway. It's the burden yeah. of parenthood, no matter which yeah. one you choose. I yeah. say this to my, I have a set of friends and their children are so little, like 18 months to like three years old and uh -huh. mine, I'm, they're transitioning. I have a 17 year old who's going to be a senior in the fall and I have a 14 year old who's going to be a freshman in the fall. And, you know, they ask questions about my parenting or about my sons because I got a good 12, you know, years on them. And I'm like, listen, let's not kid ourselves here. If you make the kid play the piano, if you make the kid play the sport, they're going to have resentment that you made them do it. If you don't make them and you respect that they don't want to do it, they're going to be like, I wish you would have pushed me more. I wish you would have yes. made me play the sport. I could have been a great basketball player. I could have been uh -huh. a great pianist. Yep. It doesn't matter what you do, right? So you just have to go True. with the best that you have in the moment. And so I, I love that we have arrived here naturally because one of the critiques of my generation, millennials, with Gen X and boomer parents is that, you know, they say they did the best that they could. And it, I accept that. Like, I'm not a millennial who has an issue with that. I'm like, well, yeah, what else did you want out of somebody but their best? But their response is, yeah, but our parents used it as a way to not be accountable. And so I will give this to my mother, I give it to you. Um, you say that, but it's not to dodge accountability. And I absolutely love that. You have no problem going, you know what? Yeah, I messed that up. Or maybe I should have did that better. Or yes, you did your best and that wasn't enough. And I get that. But my response to that as a child, as an educator, as a, a mother is, and that's just what it is. Like, like what else could it have been? What more could it be? So two things can be true right? A parent gave you their best and maybe that could have been better, but a parent gave you your best and you don't think it was enough, but it's mm -hmm. almost like they're saying you gave us your best and that wasn't enough. Like they're waiting for some other shoe to drop. And I'm like, no, that's it. That's the end of the story. Like where, what else do you want them to do with that? Yes. Take accountability. But once we get to the end of that sentence, what do you want them to do with that? How do you respond to that? I know you hear millennials saying, when, 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 and you mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned some of the things that your daughters even come back and say, do you feel settled and resolved in the parenting job that you did in the mothering job that you did? I know you still like to be available for them in the ways that you now understand that they need where maybe you didn't understand that when they were younger, but you know, parenting report card, mothering report card, or where are you with that? That is so tough because it, it's almost like I, I need, I need to go through the subjects, right? <laughs> like, no, because you're going to give me an A on education. You're going to give me so, an A on education. Yes. A on so, so I would need, I would need to, you know, have several, I think, I, I would give myself, and again, and it, for the purposes of this, 
not apply my walk to it mm-hmm. because you know then I would get an A plus mm-hmm. the fact that I'm like I'm sorry y'all had food and such didn't nobody torture you and you what A plus but if I pull my background out of it and just look at their upbringing in general I would probably give myself overall a B minus yeah you I know. think that's a damn good job well thank you yes okay. Parenting humans is not easy. It's it doesn't not. come with the manual. And even if it did, you'd be guaranteed that your kid wouldn't have fit the bill or the next one or the next one or the next one, right? Yeah. So I think a B minus is completely fair. And I love that you gave the distinction, right? If I bring myself and my story and you're comparing what you came from versus what you were able to provide, oh, well, baby, that's the A plus. And see, but we're talking about millennials. I'm going to tell you this Gen Z. Let me tell you what, Listen. this whole, I didn't ask to be born and I don't think I should have to, what is it, adult? I shouldn't have to I be- I should have to adult or pay bills. And I'd be like, and how exactly was I supposed to get your permission <laughs> for you to be here? So, you know, and I'm like, and we don't know. I mean, we don't just inherit, you know, our parents. We get those lineages. Yes. And there is a spiritual universal reason that those lineages came together to create me. Speak on it for a few minutes, Miss Tracy. It's specifically millennials at this point that uh, they've had enough life experience to have regrets. Things they wish they had done differently. Um, people they wish, men they wish they hadn't dated, men they wish they had left sooner, you know, all those things. And if, if they could, just taking anything that they're ashamed of, embarrassed about, which they've done better at, and give that same grace, hopefully they're giving themselves. First, they got to be able to give that grace to themselves yes. and extend it to their mother. Yes. You know, it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. But the, the challenge there or the gap there is that they haven't given themselves that grace. Hmm. So how can they possibly extend it to us? I have a, a old person. I don't know how old, but old. An old person in my life. And uh, how does the saying go? How do they say it? Young people, be patient with us being patient with you. That's what it is. And I just, that's that's the whole story right like that it's a nice little bow on it and i love that i'm like okay i'm gonna give my children because i'm sitting in the middle where i'm having to interact with my mom Mm -hmm. and raise my children you know at the Mm -hmm. same time and i'm like oh it's a lot going on here and the the lineage is is so dead on Mm -hmm. and i i do a lot of spiritual work I do a lot of energetic work, a lot of emotional and psychological work to thread the tapestry of what I like to call the intangibles, Mm -hmm. right? The things that we can't hold in our hand of life. I do my best to string that along into a tapestry I can understand, be grateful for, participate in, um, protect other people from, own my portion in that. Because I think a huge thing with millennials 
you know, I'm, I'm the seed, I'm the child that my generation was waiting for. I'm going to break all these generational curses. And it's a little laughable to me, not the intent, not right. even the tenacity, but I'm like, I don't know if you spiritually understand what lineages mean because one single person cannot obliterate all the generational curses in a family, in a line. What do you say back to that? You're absolutely right. And it's, it's an intentional, um, it's intentional work. And I'm also, you know, very spiritual and come from a long line of mystics, you know, and, and, you know, because that's what we had, right. And that's very much in our African, you know, DNA that, you know, that, that uh, we, we lived beyond what the, the, the five senses, yes. you know, which again, bringing us back to that seventh, right. Yes. Um, we live far beyond that. And, and I have been doing a lot of ancestral um, healing, you know, that, that goes beyond, beyond generations that I'm aware of, you know, just, okay. you know, and, and it isn't just, oh, I became the first to earn a college degree. I broke the second. And I think a lot of times that's what they're thinking. It's, it's the, um, at the action, the tangible, mm. you know, in their minds, rather than the spirit of our lineage because no matter like I said those kids came in wired you know and they are pulling stuff from wherever they're pulling it from coming in act act, act well uniquely and divinely equipped for what their role is yes. and if we ignore that then it's so much easier for them to have to get lost at 25 and whatever so if they're wanting to break the ancestral you know curses or, or whatever what they need to do is ask about themselves when they were kids ask about when they were before they could speak the earliest days yes. the months were they an easy baby were they a grumpy baby what do they love best do they hate best and just gather all the information so that they can find their beginning that yes. of their involvement in this but this is a this is taking an army and an army of years Yes. and generations to get us um, to basically heal, you know, this. And, and what I like to share too, is just, you know, thinking about the U.S. and, and you know, we're a very new country. Mm -hmm. And in the business world, we talk about there's the um, forming, um, storming phase, forming stage where you just come together. So we created America. There's the um, storming stage where we are fighting for our territory and trying to, you know, decide who's the top of the food chain. Then there's the norming where all of that cultural stuff has, you know, come in and you've got the hierarchies or whatever's going on. And then you really start performing that, that, that's the sort of um, the, the model for all business and just groups dynamic. Um, we are in the storming stage. We are still in the storming stage of who we are, what we are, um, how we come together as humans. And that is a big part of our ancestral healing. And so we are here to take part in this whole, at least in addition to what else we're supposed to do, we all have a responsibility to healing that, that lineage. 247 years old from constitution, from organization, oh, okay. from the forming you say until. Yeah, we, we're, we're a fledgling country I know. and, and not built um, on the backs of the best of us. Ooh. Right. But let's not kid ourselves. The best of the best did not come here. Right. There were people that were on the bottom of the caste system in Europe that came here. 
and inflicted that, well, that, that the most elite and the bottom of the barrel. Um, and very few of the most elite. But just to put it into perspective, we are very much in the early stages of building this country. Mm, that humbled me. Yes. I have to have you come on and talk about spirituality and ancestral healing. Because mm -hmm. um, that was so good. And you're right when you say just your purpose. That's what I mean when I say your portion, what you are supposed to be responsible <laughs> for and what you were supposed to carry out in your life and by way of doing that the things that you heal yes in your own family and then even beyond one thing that i just cannot let you leave here without blessing us with um, because you mentioned earlier when you were talking about your grandma and your your mom you know raising the daughters to be independent and self-sufficient and all of those things because you can't depend on no man type vibe um and then you entered into your first marriage with quite literally a man you couldn't depend on and you had to re-put your life together. And you have, you have a beautiful, beautiful love story. And Black women need to hear all kinds of hope when it comes to that. So I just would love for you to instill some hope to the Black women listening with any advice or tips that you can offer in transforming and the transition you made from an abusive marriage with a baby, no less, to your own self-love journey and how that led you to meet and marry Mr. Brian and create the family you have today. Well, that's an interesting one. And it's, um, and I've been listening and watching a lot of what is being told to your generation. <laughs> and it's depressing. I know. And scary. And it devalues. I've been just shocked. First of all, forget all that. Forget all that trash about you got to be married by this age. And, you know, I mean, and and your value goes down. I was watching this like, how is this? How are you even allowed to say things like that without, you know, getting beaten down every day when you leave your home? You know, and and so many women are listening to this and it's shocking to me to hear it. Um, what I would say, the most important thing, but this loving ourselves, you know, um, I think we need to start with liking ourselves. Right. Okay. I mean, love is, is a big leap from, from coming from a place of, of being told you are not valued, even by the system and the country and the world that we live in. We can't go from there to loving ourselves. Big steps, right? And um, and but there's always a love for ourselves. And when you like yourself and and in term in times when you like yourself, you care more about yourself, which allows you to really live in that love that you truly do have for yourself you're born with it it doesn't go away we really need to focus if we can focus on liking ourselves um forgiving ourselves um putting every mistake in a perspective what do we learn from it because i had some doozies let me tell you but at the same time i'm like oh but that's why i was able to do this you know, and I do think you learn more from failure and mistakes, that thing, I know you do, than, than just breezing through and everything's hunky-dory. Those are the most proud people on the earth. So liking ourselves is number one. And then, um, and then we can actually look at, be looking for what we like in someone else. That's the foundation. We fall in and out of love, 
you know, self-love is something else. It's something that you're born with, regardless of whether we connect to it, but this in love stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and then you're looking for, you know, he's my type or he's not my type. And I had to think about height. My whole dream in life was to kiss up, standing up because I'm 5'10". And I will wear my heels. I don't care. It took me many years to like myself and my height. Yeah. And um, and I'm like, I just want to stand with somebody or dance with somebody and not be feeling like I'm dancing alone. And then you get to a place and, and people say, you know, don't settle. But it's not really settling. It's where did you get these what my type is? Yes. Where'd that come from? You're settling when you're going for an aesthetic, but, you know, you really analyze, you know, really dissect what your type is and why that is, you know, so I have a thing about height because I'm insecure about being that tall. So what was your, you know, basic and then what was adopted? And, and it's, and when I met my husband, I didn't like it. I, when I met him, I was like, no no and that's why when I drove away from him I literally was saying no I am not doing this because there's something within you you feel that connection and it's not related to the physical yeah it's the conversation that you had it's the whatever it is and to we went on a date to pick me up Burger King and bowling now you know that ain't cute but it didn't matter but I was thinking but I had friends on him and I tell you what he like came over and never went home and so, <laughs> so I met him like in in March. We got were engaged by June and married the following year. But it's that friendship, and people say it. But again, you gotta like yourself. You gotta like that person, and you can have fun. You can have fun. Just don't fall for the emotion. And when I say emotion, I'm talking about that 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 um my god he's so fine do you see how fine he is just the chemistry of it all i'm not gonna be a dead horse ladies but i just want you to hear from a married woman 27 years that height complex some of y'all have wanting everything to feel like a vuvuvam and a a party in your cooch before you can do something or even in your heart yeah it's not all the, the time is it necessary and then listen to that timeline you said y'all started talking when and got engaged when and married when? Give it to us again, Miss Tracy. Yeah, uh, let's see. Um, met in March, engaged in June, married the following July. And and I just want to put, you were how old when that happened? Because that's not something 21-year-olds should do. Again, at 30. Yes, I love that. I know this is an episode on mommies and daughters, mm-hmm. but I just want to revisit one thing you said about the difference between birthing your daughters and birthing your sons. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I am a daughter, but I've only birthed sons, but I can see the distinction that you're talking about in my own nuclear family by way of me and then my pair of brothers. And so there's this psychological phenomenon, maybe you're from, you are familiar as a culture expert, but it says that Black mothers love their sons, but raise their daughters. And it's this phenomenon where what you just said, right? You you have this female child and you're like, I want to protect her and I want to make sure everything's okay. And you know, your maternal instincts mm-hmm. come in and all of that. But when you gave birth to your first son, you were like, oh, this is a little bit, this is different. I will do more than protect. 
I will kill for this child. I don't remember the name of the research, but I do know that um, scientists found when mothers have sons, there's like some male DNA that is sprinkled and left behind in the brain. And it is somewhat responsible for us having that viscerality that you spoke about. So I would just love, we're gonna get back to daughters in a second, but I would just love for you to talk about what you know about either the science behind it or the culture behind it, or just your own experience between the difference of this pair of daughters and this pair of sons. It is absolutely so true. And so you talk a little about the science of it. Um, and to go even farther with the science, you know, there's that um, epigenetics, right? You know, in terms of what we have passed down from our ancestry. Mm-hmm. So there's already that physiological um, phenomena that occurs that that makes you say, oh, I got to, you know, Bleh. but then there's also, you know, the, let's just go back to the, the breaking of the buck, you know, mm-hmm. in slavery where they, um, slave owners would actually literally castrate and destroy black men in front of us. And often the strongest to show that not only are we um, interchangeable and dispensable. So what did we do as mothers? We pushed, pulled our boys behind us, right? Mm-hmm. The world fears black men um, and they had to break the strongest and the biggest to show that they would and could be broken. So as women, what did that tell us? We are responsible. We are responsible for the survival of our, you know, ethnicity um, and our boys we had to protect. I've seen what they do and you cannot. So there's, and we still carry this because it's still happening. So in addition to what happens just physiologically, there's that epigenetics of, of passing down this fear for our sons that I think combines that for Black women. I know you said you were 5'10", all model-like, all legs, and you have experience in um, pageantry, mm-hmm. right? One of my first my first memories of you is we were going down the steps at Chanel's job and you were like, oh, ladies, let's walk down the steps. <laughs> let's walk down the steps like ladies. And I was like, now I, I am the child's of a mother who gave me Emily Post lessons. I know how to walk down the stairs. And you were like, no, baby, that's Emily Post. This is pageantry. (laughs) Watch, watch me. (laughs) So because most of my clientele are single women and they're always thinking about, you know, how to date, how to put on an aesthetic, their style, all those things. I would love if you could just share one quick tip that we can implement mm-hmm. that kind of helps with our own style or even an etiquette tip that you think black women should know this and they probably don't. Number number one, the, the sexiest, most powerful thing that we can embody is that um, knowing of ourselves. Mm. That's number one. That is number one. Know yourself, you know, learn all the things. Nothing wrong with the fire in the coops, by the way, this for the record. But it can't be the primary thing. Right. But anyway, I just want to say, I'm like, girl, let me tell you. And that gets, I'm going to get another show okay. um, about how that ebbs and flows. You, you, let me tell you what, you hit your 40s and it's, 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 it's on. Oh, I want to have you on for that. So we already have, you're going to show us about ancestral and spiritual work, and then you're going to come back in the fire in the cooch. That's what I'm going to name the episode. Okay. <laughs> right. 
but um, <laughs> but in terms of and when I think about pageantry, so there's you know I'm international beauty queen. When you look at the international pageantry, it brings all the cultures together, right? And pageantry mm. is really just the pomp and circumstance, you know, of life just in general. And to see all the different countries and cultures and how they walk and how they move, you know, and there is the one, and that's the one thing, it's that self-empowerment. The, the sexiest thing is knowing and liking yourself. So that's number one. But I believed it. And I got involved in, in pageantry because of my self-esteem. I didn't think I was the prettiest, but I was called to it. And, and so what I, I learned that when I'm called to it, then there's a lesson in it for me. And I sort of found my power getting back to myself because I had to be able to answer questions on why. But, and I will give you one tip that I see a lot, you know, sitting on the tip of the chair, you know, versus back in it, right? Leaning forward, up tall and in, because I mean, even just me doing that, you know, I'm sitting here, but when I stand up, I'm bigger than life, right? Because yes. your shoulders actually come back. And so I think that's a really powerful thing and crossing, you know, the ankles, the ankles. rather than the legs and it saves your back too. But um, something that I see a lot in, in young women is our walk, right? So we're walking. So first of all, pay attention to whether your feet go out or in. That's a hip misalignment, right? And like, oh, I'm just pitching toe. You're pitching toe because your hips got jacked up and burnt. It's not something that's supposed to be happening. So go to the chiropractor, get yourself fixed up. And we hold our, our emotion in our hips, right? As, right. as women, right. that's, you know, especially as women, but in general. So, so pay attention to that. So, and then when you're walking, we walk like this, right? And if you're trying to make an impression, you want to, at the very least, walk as close to a straight line as possible when you're walking. Now, if you really want to make them crazy, especially with taking pictures, if you're walking, taking a photo and you're walking you towards the camera, you want to cross them. cross them. And that's a beautiful picture when you're walking forward. Just, just play with it. Play with it. Doesn't matter your height. Walk down the street and see how many looks you get when you are walking tall and you are doing that line or even across. Across really makes you feel powerful yes. and cat-like. It's like, I'm going to have to give you your props because in all of my mother's lessons, and she's done a great job giving me great Southern etiquette training. I knew half of what you told me when we were on the steps, taking the pictures and walking down the steps. I knew to sit at the, the, um, the tip of the chair and to have that nice erect back and you know have the confidence and all of that. But that walk, especially when you're taking pictures and just making sure your feet are well adjusted where your hips feel loose and free, you know, because like you said, for women, that is like an emotional trap zone, those hips. Mm -hmm. When you were giving us those lessons and the way I felt walking down those steps, with taking in your pageantry advice and moving with the camera and, you know, your daughter got skills on the camera. So she yeah. had looking nice too. I was like, oh, I have this thing in my practice called work the room where we Ooh. intentionally go into a space and have a certain aura that will attract the women we need to attract so we can make our connections and also the men that we need to attract but mm -hmm. when you told me that i said oh i gotta add this to my work the room because your your energy is endless yes it's not your it's not this is the package that we have you know that we've come in yes but our energy is is endless and you can fill up that room like that 
And you could also suck the life out of it. <laughs> yes, we can do both. I tell them all the time, that feminine energy, it can create, but it can also destruct. Y'all got to use your energy wisely or appropriately because sometimes you're supposed to destruct. You know, you don't have to support each other, but don't take each don't other out. Hear each other, right. My favorite quote um, is, you know, when a flower doesn't bloom, you don't blame the flower. I want to go back to something um, sure. you mentioned you don't have to necessarily support each other as black women, maybe even as black mm -hmm. people, but don't tear each other down. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, that hit me um, because I say all the time to my clientele, it ends up being a community of women. Everybody not gonna mm -hmm. like everybody. That's yeah. just what, you know, it comes with that. But I do say, but please be sisterly. Someone can not be your friend. Someone can not have a vibe that you like and you could still be sisterly because even though blackness is not a monolith, it is a shared experience. I, I know that when I see you, there is a knowing. And on that note, I think we can call that a wrap and let's transition into our sacred sisterhood circle. Ms. Tracy, you ready? Ready. Okay. The sacred sisterhood circle is a quick but intimate round of prompts. I'll feed you. You'll simply reply with the closest truth in your heart at the moment. Okay. What's your favorite word to describe black women? Powerful. What's one affirming quality about Black men that you want them to know? Strength. Strength, okay. What's one of your personal or feminine superpowers? <laughs> uh, grace. At Match Mary Mate, we approach life joyfully. Tell us one hard thing that's happened recently that you joyfully reframed. Mm. I was running this organization for two years and made all, I did things that they have not done in decades. I wanted desperately to be seen and acknowledged. I never got the award, even though I did the work. I'm that change maker and I may never get the kudos but I sure as heck make um, a huge difference that lives on far beyond my participation. And I was able to recognize that for the first time. Speak to a younger black woman in this moment and gift her with one thing you wish you knew or realized 10 years ago. I wish that I had realized just how phenomenal, powerful, um, empathetic and wise that I was. And that's not something that we learn from others. It's something that we unpack within ourselves and then step into. What's your greatest lesson that you've learned in relationships or in marriage? No marriage is a bed of roses. If, if we have no perfect people, then we should sure as heck know that we have no perfect relationships. Last but not least, What's the best advice you've ever received as a woman? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you go together. Go together. And you've got to bring people along. Thank you, Miss Tracy, for being here with me. I love sitting with you and all of your wisdom. We end every episode with thought or heart-provoking questions for your journal. Journaling is simply prayers on paper, and the Most High tends to those too. Dear listener, 
Do you have a mother wound? Do you have some unresolved business with your mama? Does it affect your friendships, dating, or relationships in any way? How? How do you communicate these issues with the people in your circle? How are you healing any residual pain or trauma from your mama? It's okay to write about the blessings and the burdens. Pour it out into your journal today. Release yourself, free yourself, and most of all, be yourself. P.S. No woman is better at being you than you. If you're interested in my developing research or want to discuss the trends, patterns, or stories I observe daily in my coaching practice at your next event or show, you can reach me at hello at matchmarymate.com. Another thank you to Miss Tracy Stafford for spending time with me in the studio today and sharing her knowledge and wisdom with the Match Mary Mate audience. Today, I leave you with Miss Tracy's favorite African proverb. Those who do not forgive break the bridge on which they have to pass. Thank you so much for joining me today and tuning into another episode of the Match Mary Mate Show. If this episode resonated with you, please comment, rate, or review our podcast. Your feedback would just melt my Southern girl heart. Until our next time together, love, light, and relationship. Remember, we grow as we go. And I'll be with you in the next episode. Cheers. This was a virtual interview with Joyce recorded from two places within the world with either a professional in the field, a fellow colleague, or a client willing to share her story to inform you on relationship education topics, including dating, partnerships, and marriage and family. If you're interested in being a Match Mary Mate guest, please email the producing team at podcast at matchmarrymate.com. Are you looking to get your love life together? You're tired of not having the tools or community you need to navigate these dating and relationship streets. Well, honey, let's take some accountability, do our work and be in the place to reap all the benefits. I invite you to become a Love Lady member and officially join the Match Mary Mate community. You can choose your specific dating and relationship package to work with me. You'll have access to digital resources, video trainings, coaching content, course materials, and even the opportunity to live stream with me with certain packages. If this sounds like something you want, be sure to join today because I'd love to have you. Visit coachjoyce.com to get started. I want to see your face in the place.